Hello and welcome to this episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. It's been a dry, long summer, so we're thankful that autumn has arrived and so has some rain. Grass is greening up, borders are taking on their mellow patina and trees are preparing for their winter slumber, but not before the foliage fireworks begins. Autumn is a time to rejoice in all the year's hard work, slap yourself on the back and enjoy the final few weeks of beauty in the garden. It's also a prime time in the kitchen garden and allotment as pumpkins, potatoes and the last of the peas and beans are harvested and enjoyed as temperatures dip and the nights draw in. So with tales of how Lucy and I and our hard-working gardening teams are preparing for the last hurrah of the gardening year, join us as we delve into the autumn spectacle in the life of the modern head gardener. Well, hello, everyone. It's November. What? We're reaching the end of 2020. Yes, November already. I'm sure, I'm sure we were just doing an episode in January not long ago. (laughs) Crazy, crazy. October has raced by me. It certainly has. Yeah, we were almost, um, without mentioning the C word, we are close to that period of time of the year where we all go into garden centres looking for bulbs, but there's lots of Plastic novelty toys. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, without complaining too much about that, <laughs> Lucy's back. Uh, she's had a half term. I did. With a little one. Yep. Her first half term of a proper school year. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah, I know. How did that go? Oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. Very, very nice. Thank you. We saw lots of uh, lots of friends and did lots of things. I just still had to work, so I still have to do this plate spinning and the shoe hunting and the jiggling, but, you know, got it done. So and uh, created some nice memories. So that's what it's all about, isn't it? Well, you've got a few more half terms to go. <laughs> yeah, and we went trick or treating last night around our local village. Oh my goodness! We there's a local estate. So my thinking was that actually the quantity of sweets within the square mile would be quite significant. The population of Fingringho did not let us down. It was lovely. Within an hour and a half, our bucket was brimming with all sorts of treats. Uh, and is it, is it wrong to dip into them yourself? I, I don't no, I, think it is. I was there. I wasn't don't it? think. I don't think it is. I know my brother has a special cupboard full of sweets that uh, he steals from his children. Yeah. So. <laughs> so uh, no, I don't think it's a problem. I tell you what, if you were if you were down my neck of the woods with a bucket, you'd only have it filled with water. It has <laughs> lashed down for the last twenty four hours. It has been sopping. I reckon forty mil, maybe. In the last 24 hours? Wow, really? Because I know when I phoned you this morning, um, you were taking cover with a cup of tea. We were cowering. How long did that cowering last for then? Uh, About an hour and a half. Wow. (laughs) And it it was bucketing down, thunder lightning, but not as bad as it was overnight where uh, we got a bit of flooding down by our road where it usually does flood. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy uh, weather. Still mild. I just can't believe... I think we were 21. I think I said the last podcast, yeah. which you weren't on, mm. the, the day before I did it, it was at least 21, 22 at Stonelands. We were, we were in, yeah, I was prepared to put a t-shirt back on. Are you still mild now? Because we've taken in Essex, we've taken a dip in temperatures, which has been actually, for me, it's been, yeah, this feels right. I mean, October, we, we, we had temperatures in the 20s in the last few mm. days of October, but now November's here. Uh, we're back down into things like you know twelve thirteen in the day and going down to say eight at night. We're going we're dipping down later this week to five at night, but then going back up to eleven. It's it is a bit all over the shop, but it's really? I'm looking at those temperatures, thinking yeah, that's that's more kind of realistic for this neck of the woods at this time of year. 
So we're still we're still about fifteen, I think. Are you? We, we've not we've not had a cold. We've not had what I recall that uh, winter is coming kind mm. of cold autumn day yet. Right. Um, so well, we'll wait and see. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely wet. The West Country is back to being wet, and I guess I'm quite happy about that. You know. Mm. Uh, I don't have to water the grass. Well, I have to cut the grass, but I don't have to water it anymore, which is uh, which is a good thing. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the weather. I tell you what, I think we might when we do our reflective uh, podcast episode, which we usually do at the end of the year. Mm. I think the weather is going to be at least half of it. To be honest, the amount we can talk about the weather this year, it's been absolutely crazy. Well, we've had a squally old day and a sixty day as well. And actually, the last few days, it's been quite squally. We've had still some sunshine, but then we've had right. some decent rain. Because do you remember me saying that actually when most of the county in Essex was having that breaking weather in September after the drought, we still weren't getting any in fingering her. So now actually we are getting significant amounts. We're getting like 8 mil, 10 mil, uh, you know, okay. and it's actually consecutive, consecutive days. So I feel like the ground is now, if not completely saturated again to what it should be, it's, it's definitely on its way. And it's due to be more rain this later this week. So... Yeah. And how's your autumn? Because if you, I know you listened to my episode. Yes, Thank you I very did. much. Whilst uh, matches of the day was on in the household, I was listening into Mr. Walker talking about his lovely trees at Stonelands. Really nice episode. Well done. Yeah. But I was talking to Brian today, one of my gardeners, saying it really hasn't been a classic autumn. What's it like your end of the uh, country? Any yeah. better? I don't know. There's lovely colours, but I think they're fleeting. I think the colours. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what I'm finding. I was at um, my parents quickly yesterday, and my I, when I was. At Wisley, still at working at Wisley, I, I used to buy my dad for his birthdays and Christmas lovely specimen trees. So he's got a, like a, a liquid amber, he's got a scarlet oak, he's got um, a snake bark maple, and the colours they are there, but they are, I would say they're 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 brief in their display. So okay, well there you go. If you hit it right, you know it's, it looks great. But if you hit it wrong, it's just a bare load of tweaks. <laughs> But uh, the good thing about gardening is there's always next year. So let's hope exactly. autumn next year is going to be a bit more... Very optimistic. Bit, I like that. A bit more classic. Exactly. Silver lining. Yeah. I'm learning, Lucy. I'm learning to be a bit more optimistic in life. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, there's a lot to be cynical about. Anyway, no, uh, let's, 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 mo- let's move on because um, I visited a great garden at the weekend. I went up to Bristol uh, with my... Um, uh, my partner's family mm. we went to Tintersfield now I don't know if anyone knows about Tintersfield uh, if you're outside Bristol you probably will but it's a lovely Victorian mansion uh and the, and the one of the National Trust's newer properties I think they got it in the I'm gonna guess here I think it was mid the mid 2000s maybe 2004 oh right please uh please um correct me if I'm wrong there but uh, yeah, so a lot of developments going on in the garden and well done to the gardening team because I remember visiting it when I was with the National Trust and I thought, God, this is a lot of work because it was quite overgrown garden. It had been let go, let's say, yeah. for a bit. But um, the team have a lovely walled garden there and I've just shown you their squash display. Oh my goodness, Now yes. I have to say, they can grow pumpkins. Can't eh? they? And the diversity mm. of that display as well. Are you going to put that, is that on Twitter? I think I had, yes, I did put it out on Twitter a bit ago. Actually, I've got quite a lot of likes for it, I think. But yeah, take a look at that because I tell you what, it's a beautiful display. You do have to have a lot of growing area for that uh, that many pumpkins. I, I wonder if they brought any in. If you're listening to us from the Tintons Field team, uh, please let me know. Because I, cause I tell you what, if you grew all those pumpkins, that was most of your walled garden, <laughs> in my opinion. 
I tell you what I'm looking at now. Look at the range. Turks caps and there's some banana squashes. Oh. Some big pumpkins. Stop it. I'm going to drool over my microphone. Small pumpkins. But yeah, lots of dis- lots of lots of displays out there. I think these uh, these displays are being um they're doing more of them, aren't they? It's lovely. Really? I think this is getting the punters in. Yeah. Um, yeah. The it's not so much now just like the Ghost Rider and the Hundred Weight and the you know, what all the, all those mm. big big ones and classic pumpkins. The the diversity of all the winter squashes and pumpkins is is vast. There's loads of different species. There's the the shapes and colours and the flavours. My goodness, the flavours are vary so much. So if you feel like you've eaten a pumpkin once and you thought, Do you know what, that's not that great. I don't really enjoy it. Please try another one. I do find the winter squashes are uh, a really, really good flavour. We've mentioned the Uchiki Kuri is a really good onion squash. Uh, there's oh, yes. there's loads of others. Crown Prince is one that everyone uh, who's come across it will always have in their uh, their collection. It's a fantastic one. But so many, like you say, the banana squashes, the spaghetti squashes. Oh my gosh, um, Hubbard's. Oh, I love a Hubbard. <laughs> now, a good friend of ours, Matt Oliver, suggested one to me. I'm just trying to scan down my uh, ah. thing. Now, he suggested one that I haven't heard of. Let me... Ah, goblin eggs. Oh, right. Goblin eggs? That sounds interesting. You know no, I don't know that one, but I'm imagining it, no. sounds, it sounds brilliant. What a fantastic name. H- hundreds of small, multicoloured, egg-shaped fruits mm. on reasonably well-behaved plants. Oh, I like oh, I like, I like it to be reasonably well-behaved. We like a little bit, yeah, a little bit of discord, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That sounds really interesting, though. I wonder... Wonder what colours? Do you know? Keep talking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look it up. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to keep talking about winter squashes. Like I say, my onion squash. Um, oh, whilst you're doing that, so Granddad yeah. yesterday had to get his jigsaw yes. out to cut our um, goosebumps um, pumpkins that we grown on the allotment oh. this year because the skin was so tough. It's a warty one. It's covered in warts, and we mentioned earlier. Uh, um, it was at uh, all the end. We discovered that the warts are a sign that the the flesh is. Often, often sweeter in the in right. the varieties that have got warts because it's where all the sugars accumulate and then it causes this osmotic eruption and you get these huge big warts on the skin. So if you have a warty squash, it might well be sweeter than others. But yeah, the skin of goosebumps was rock hard. I tried it with my knife. Uh, I thought, hang on, I'm going to lose a digit here if I'm not careful or cut, uh, basically go, go to A&E within the imminent 10 minutes. Uh, so Grandad got his jigsaw out and his power drill. It looked like, um, yeah, some kind of massacre going on. It was, it was. I've got some video of it. I'll put up at some point. But yeah, that oh, was well, that was well. interesting. I've never had to do that before. So there you go. There you go. A bit of carpentry and uh, squash carving. Mm. I tell you what, I've just got the goblins' eggs up on my screen, and they are. They're like little eggs, but they're multicolored. They're quite cute. But what when you say multicolored? When we what are we talking? The greens and the oranges, in, or yeah, greens and oranges in mm. the same fruit. So half green, half oh, orange. Nice. And there are some that are striped and a few that are splotched. So I like that. Is that in your um, horticultural dictionary, splotched? Splotched, yes. I think it's a word, but um, I might try and get some of these. There you go. Thank you, Matt, mm-hmm. for your suggestion. And we have to say good luck to Matt. He starts his new job this week? No, next no, week. No, next week, because I was going to say to you, um, this leads me on nicely. So we're Alting Wick. Uh, Mr. C and myself are at Alting Wick tomorrow for our last instalment of um, the last Chamberlain instalment. Yeah, exactly. Because I, when I we, we we talked today. You said which garden are you in today? And I said I'm I'm at home today, <laughs> but I have got I've been working obviously primarily at East London, but I have been having an affair with Alting Wick. So <laughs> and I've decided to come clean. And um, uh, yeah, tomorrow is the last 
the last hurrah. So that should be that should be good. The weather's meant to be really nice. So because um, it was well, I've been obviously watching the weather forecast. I didn't want Philippa to have two gardeners turn up and then we couldn't actually do any work for us. So today's been soggy. Thursday's going to be dire, but actually Wednesday is meant to be pretty good. So. Have they started bulb planting there yet? I know that Philippa buys probably more bulbs than the whole of Essex put together. Tulips, that is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, when we were there last week, we were taking out the last of the plants in the old farmyard. And the right. tulips are all in the store waiting to be planted. Oof. But I don't think she's in any, any rush. I think she's looking now at her um, sort of more hardy beds and borders that have not had much attention in the last few months. So that's I'm, I'm presuming that's where we'll be tomorrow. But I will, I will keep you posted and let you know. I tell you what, the amount of tulips I see at her place, that makes my back feel. <laughs> Does it make it twingy? Very old. Yeah. No, we've started planting our tulips at Stonelands. Oh, okay. I started today, mm -hmm. uh, being the 1st of November. It's always good to do it a bit later because of the tulip fire. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, yeah, it's not Yeah, it's not my favourite job. And uh, mostly because it's just a lot of bending over and, and uh, trying to get them in the ground. But uh, well, can I ask you, you just how think you do about it? spring. Do you, do you dig the whole area and excavate the whole bit of soil or do you use a bulb planter and create individual holes per bulb i use a bulb planter right. but luckily we've learned a good technique i'm on the bulb planter uh, brian or nigel is planting the bulbs and that if we get it just right the clod of earth falls out the bulb planter mm -hmm. oh, at the hole you're putting afterwards this may sound very complicated no, and you. therefore you can just keep going and uh, nothing's uh, too bad but um yeah it's a lot easier doing with two people than it is oh, trying to do, do it yourself we do that at east island hall we're not going to do it too much this year um but right. we have in the past planted lots of bulbs in the you know the mill foy yes that we reference quite a lot the the multi-layers of, of lots of species bulbs and yeah it's definitely a two-person job we have um one person's on the um the chrome which is like a big metal spike and we have to wait for the ground to be moist enough so now would be the ideal time to do it because if you do it on dry soil it just doesn't doesn't get the yeah. depth at all. So yeah, Definitely, chuck the chrome yeah. in and then the other person's there with the bulb and then the bucket of soil to backfill. And then, then off we go. So, Do you know, I saw this fancy machine on Twitter that they're using at Wisley. It's either Wisley. It's one of the RHS gardens. I think it's Wisley. Uh, it looked like uh, a hopper, a machine with a hopper, mm. and it literally was inserting the, them in the ground with like a trenching machine. Like a slit, it didn't dig a the ground. Yeah. Yeah, like a slit trencher. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it didn't look like the grass was being moved, but it sort of, mm. and then each bulb was being put in. I was thinking, yeah, there's the future. Yeah. Could do that, definitely. They, I'm sure back in the day, that's what apprentices were used for. You know, get, <laughs> 50, 30, get all your apprentices on bulb planting in the lawn, but now it looks like they've replaced all the apprentices with this machine. Oh, don't, that's quite, sad. It looked quite cool, but... Um, yeah. I've been on the back, because my parents are, as I say, retired now, but they're commercial smallholders. I've been on the back of many a tractor with a, a slit trencher. When we used to plant leeks, oh God, thousands of right, leeks. Right, okay. Um, all, all sorts of things. Brassicas we'd do as, as modules and actually they'd go through there. Mum and I would be sat on the back of the tractor and my dad would be on the, the Massey Fergie 135 and we'd all have a great old time uh, spending hours and hours uh, bent over in a field. <laughs> Especially if the weather was slightly colder. Oh, don't. I can imagine that was... Yeah, the... and you're, oh, God, we had oil skins back in those days when I was a teenager. So, you know, like the yellow ones that the fishermen yeah, wear. Yeah. And they, they, oh, my God, there was no such thing as Gore-Tex for us then. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, fun times. 
But it's where I cut my teeth. I am not going to complain about it. Apprentices don't know they're born, hey, these days. I'll tell you. (laughs) Right, now we're going to try something very different today. Because I've just been, I've just got the garden magazine from the RHS. Now, we're not going to plagiarise, but we're very keen on our waffle on this uh, channel, as you know. But So we're going to test ourselves. I'm going to open the October issue, because uh, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> as ever, I'm too busy to read these magazines. <laughs> we're going to turn it to a page, and we're going to talk about whatever is on that page. Yeah. So here we go. Hopefully you can hear me rustling away. Now, we're going to try and avoid the adverts, because we've decided we don't know much about cashmere, I don't own cashmere. No, wim- so I don't women's struggle. jumpers. Yeah, right. I do own jumpers, but they just wouldn't be cashmere. I think I should close my eyes when okay. I'm doing this. Very random, right? Oh, six crops to reduce your carbon footprint. Oh my goodness! That sounds right up your street. Oh, there I'm you not go. Chosen that right? Yeah. Who's okay, that, who's that right. been written by? Is that Sally Nix? That's the kind of thing uh, that she. She's very much. See. Oh, admit. Oh, there's. Oh, there's old Roy Lancaster's photo. Oh. Love to see Roy still doing his stuff. Oh, it's our good friend Guy Barter. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I was speaking it's to Guy him. In the Not just within the month, I've spoken to Guy, and we had a good old natter about all sorts of interesting stuff, which I. Won't I'll tell you with. what. He's such a nice. He's such a happy chap, isn't he? Yeah. And you would be if you've been in gardening most of your life. Look at him in his tomatoes. <laughs> Anyway, six to reduce your carbon footprints. That's interesting because I think this is something we're going to be seeing a lot more of. Mm-hmm. And, and we have talked a bit a bit, bit about a few environmental issues. Uh, we had that water episode not long ago when we were talking about things to hope for reduce your water. And we had a few episodes ago, the one where we're trying to save a bit of money. And I yes, think these things did. sort of go in hand in hand in some ways because they're very similar advice, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, when you spend money, you probably are adding carbon because at the end of the day that's how how it works commercially the yeah. more you spend yeah keeping stuff... it local as much as you possibly can so what are guys six just give us a run through can you just listen? yes yeah so we've got potatoes runner beans kales raspberries beetroot and lettuce now do you know what collectively they all sound like crops that are gonna yield big i think they're ones that uh, deliver on the yield yes so you're right. Is there. that why? Is that the angle he's he's going for? So literally. Well, there you go. Potatoes. It says high yields. Mm. So you get a lot. You get a lot of plant um, uh, food for your buck. Yeah. So I think that's the point. Mm. Also, I think I think potatoes uh, take a lot of transport as well. Because um, here you go. Well, here, uh, guys got the facts. <laughs> 60, 60 liters of water to produce one kilo. Of potatoes. Well, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Well, that's what I'm gardeners sure. produce that have to use. Or no, that's what, I think that's um, no commercial, commercial, commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm sure we're not using 60. I'm going to be honest. I know it's six crops, but most vegetables can reduce your carbon footprint in, in essence. But when it comes down to, as you say, you know, uh, food miles and things like that, anything that you grow in your own back garden has just got to tick that box, hasn't it? So... Or your local allotment, things like that, and and yeah, as you say, crops that are um, you know imported from from far far away. Uh, if we can grow them ourselves and, and eat seasonally, you know, eating seasonally to me is is second nature. That's just what I've always done because, as I say, mum and dad um, used to grow a, a lot of different crops. That's why I remember about their small holding. It was fantastic because it wasn't just a monoculture. They weren't. It was mm. before the days of the supermarkets really becoming big. We're talking now about. Oh God, 30, nearly 30 years ago. And they would grow lots 
of you know lots of crops and small amounts of them and then they send them off to the markets and so yeah for me it was just it was in season or it wasn't in season and you and you didn't eat it and that was that so um i i do really enjoy that aspect of of gardening yeah. and to me you know waiting the anticipation of the broad bean season or the asparagus or the forced rhubarb or you know whatever it might be actually that adds to the eating experience i think you know that's that's part of it yeah, so a few facts here. Because mm. I've only literally opened it. This is my skim well, you, reading. You've got one up on me. I can't even see it. So You can't even see it. That's very true. Um, uh, Guy, Guy is saying that the UK imported 84% of its fruit. 84. Yeah. Right. And 44% of its vegetables last year. Fruit needs a, fruit needs a makeover. Fruit. Yeah, because wow, the amount of citrus... Well, we and, and apples that are not bananas. from the UK. Bananas. Yeah. Melon. Yeah. You know, stuff that grapes they all are go when you go to the supermarkets they're the go-to fruit but you know my the amount of fruit i grow the like he says raspberries that's a fantastic example gooseberries are so abundant as well my peach the peach i banged on about it so much in the, mm. the podcast here that yields ridiculously you know a victoria plum the victoria plum at the hall this year was laden yep. absolutely laden with fruit and a brownie you know if you get yourself a brownie cooking apple they are once they get going, I, d- I do f- get frustrated with um, fruit in that I know we can grow so much. And I find that when you buy fruit, it's got a big price tag. Even like the stuff you can grow in the UK, the raspberries and the currants and gooseberries, they do seem to be expensive. And I'm like, well, but really they shouldn't be because that puts people off buying them. But also, yeah. you know, you can grow your own and, and actually produce such a huge big yield of of. of fruit and it's preserved so so well you can have it then year round i don't i don't there's this it's all very disjointed i think the way we grow fruit at the moment and needs to be someone needs to grab it and rework it i think i think i fully agree with you with the grow your own uh movement which obviously going on for a, a fair amount now and getting yeah. and has did get very popular during the pandemic mm. vegetables are very much the focus yeah they are especially especially easy easy to grow you know we're still very um, or commercially, we're still very captured by easy to do. I can understand why people want to make money, and things that work, people make money on. Fruit is is a bit more. Let's go to the intermediate stage, probably. Also, as you've probably already said, for most fruits, you know, not all fruit, but top fruit especially, it t- does take a bit of time, I think it's time. to go yeah. from you know, uh, buying whatever it is your your apple tree, your pear tree, whatever, to actually getting a good yield. But, you know, that's part of the process. It's part of the fun of the gardening element. But I can see why fruit... I am a bit flabbergasted by 84%. Yeah, that um, makes me sad. I, I guess the other problem in this country is because the way fruit grows in a temperate environment, it does. it's all at one point, you know. Although, having said that, you know, it can be spread over quite a few months. And then the other key is just learning to preserve and store mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know, so that you can use it all year round drying now as well you know because i do think with with fruit uh if you want to jam it or cook with it uh, as soon as you cook it i don't know what happens chemically but it becomes much more acidic than it was when you eat it fresh so you do need to add lots of sugar or if you want to stevia or something like that but i i think that might be where there's a slight issue because it's not the healthiest in that sense because you're adding right. sugar but say if you're you know we we get through a lot of lovely dried fruit in our house you know and i've got a dehydrator which i use a lot more than I've used to. Apple chips are really easy to do. Raspberries are really easy to dehydrate. And then when you eat them, they don't need a lot of sugar with them. So I think that's a, a, a really good 
route to go down. Um, yeah. Because I, th- I do think for the health conscious people, we get a little bit twitchy about fruit. Lots of volume of fruit. Well, and the fruit just has so much of the nutritional value mm. that you might not be able to get in other, uh, other places, especially vitamin C and all those kind of things. Another uh, really another really interesting fact that uh, guys put here is that we discard about 6.6 million tonnes of food wasted. That was from 2018. And I think that's another thing that growing your own negates in some ways because you put so much effort into actually growing it, you actually feel like you want to use it. I think it's so yeah. easy these days to buy stuff and then just discard it because it doesn't feel like it's... Well, I don't know. I don't know what the psychology behind it is, but it doesn't feel You're not connected worth to it, are you? It. You're not connected yeah, exactly. to it. But and also, don't as well, you can you can go outside, you can pick your, you know, um, three bowlfuls of raspberries because you want, mm. you need three bowlfuls for your meal for yes, that night. That's all you and need. It, it's what you need. You know, you yeah. are, you literally will then just let the rest grow on the plants until you need them. Or if there's suddenly is a glut, you can freeze them. So, you know, f- food waste for me is, again, something that needs, uh, uh, a nut that needs cracking because it's so simple not to waste food. And um, it's more of a, I think it is more of a mindset um, than um, anything that can be limited by practicalities. It's just, like you say, that connection to your food. If you grow yeah. your own food, you are you don't want to waste it. Why would you? you and, and you don't have to. Yeah, again, it goes back to our, you know, storing and preserving, etc. And you know, just getting, uh, you know, you've got. I know that you've got a large chest freezer at I've home. Got two. Which you, yeah, you have two. <laughs> I do. Wow. Yep. You've been very busy, which you <laughs> store so much, especially your soft fruits. Mm. Um, you've got tons in there. I, I know we can get into the like the quite late into next year, and you'll still be eating raspberries and stuff oh, from the yeah. year previous. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to be self sufficient in fruit if you want to grow it in the UK. Honestly, it just depends on what you want to eat. If you want to eat bananas, then it's not going to happen. But if you have to eat raspberries, gooseberries, apples, rhubarb, oh god, all sorts of stuff. You know, gauges. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Now I've just flicked over the page. I'm cheating. I'm cheat. Sorry. This isn't as random as we thought it was going to be. What? Come but on. There's, but there's quite an interesting article oh. by Wrecker Mystery. We, uh, we, well, you know Wrecker. Yeah, I do. Probably better than I do. Um, but um, it's all about growing your own curry. We know that she's a big, ah. she grows all this wonderful stuff. And look what's on the page. On. Sichuan pepper. Oh. Uh, now, I only come up because I want to ask how yours is doing. I know mm, that you don't. bought one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I mentioned earlier in the year in our podcast that I might have... Um, Established its threshold for drought tolerance. I think that's the polite <laughs> way of putting it. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think it's completely gone, but I did see it. I, I know it's been knocked back and it had an early autumn, but I think it's still there. Um, so yeah, my I, my thing is I'd love to grow all the ingredients for a Thai curry. I love curry. my Thai green curries. And if I'm, I'm a t- if I do have a takeaway, and to be honest, now in the in our uh, the Chamberlain household, we don't have them very often anymore because the prices are going up and you know yeah. blah, blah. um but i would love to grow all the ingredients for a thai curry i grow chilies anyhow i've got lemongrass on the go this year uh so coconuts maybe not but then you know <laughs> <laughs> but thai basil you know i've got thai basil on the go and there's lots of other like the little pea aubergines i've not grown them yet but i would love love to do that because that's a real classic component of a, a really authentic thai curry um, right. So that's what I would love to 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 look at and to grow. But yeah, coconuts is going to be the thing I'm going to get unstuck on. I think when it comes to the Thai Thai curry base. <laughs> I love to see grow coconuts. Have you ever grown curry leaf? Bergera 
Koenigii. I probably really beautifully pronounced. Yeah, look at that. No, I haven't. Have you not? Can you grow it in this country? Sorry, I'm just I'm reading as you. we talk. Come back. Yeah, yeah. Come back to no. the podcast. Well, I think it does say that you can you can grow it. That's really interesting. Some of this hmm. this stuff. Um, yeah. So grow your own curry. Lovely. Grow your own curry at home. And look, then the next page is Hugh Richards. <laughs> wow, it's a grow your own feast this this issue this month. How lovely! So, what's Hugh? What's Hugh writing about? Now, Hugh's growing growing in small spaces, right? Which we all know really well. Uh, some some varieties and things. I tell you what, I I should read these magazines more often. This is my chance. Maybe this is what we should do every week. This is my chance to actually read these magazines because I tell you what, I get. Garn the Garden, I get Garn's Illustrated, I get a load of journals, and they just sit there, and I don't get time to read them. It is a habitual problem with me, and I'm hopefully you out there listening to the podcast, that you're so busy that you don't get to read all this stuff. I do know what you mean. Sometimes it, I do question my magazine subscriptions, because they tend to sit there as a coffee table item, and you can put it on the table thinking, yeah, I, I subscribe to such and such, and... Um, it makes me feel like I'm living that dream. But then actually to get to read the pages sometimes just doesn't mm. happen. So we want to keep supporting these publications because, uh, you know, if next year does go economically like we think it's going to, people are going to stop their subscriptions are the first thing to always die a death, aren't they? So Now flick through. So do one more and actually genuinely oh. just open the page up at anything random. Oh, OK. But not cash. Going to go right. Oh, here we go. This will be great. Planting garlic. Oh, my goodness. It's a grow your own... Sp- I've planted my garlic. And do you know what? I am very excited because I've sourced two that I think are going to do really well on my soil. Okay. Which which ones? Well, if I get them, are you going to all promise not to go and like reap the uh, garden centre shelves so I can still get it next year? No one's listening to this podcast anyway, so... That's great. Well, okay, I'll tell you then. So it's early purple white and um, rhapsody white. Sorry, the, what was that one? Rhapsody white. I think it's just called oh, rhapsody, but it's called that. rhapsody white. Now, both soft necks, both ones that are water planted and both ones that are claiming, and I can I can testify and say, yes, this happens, huge cloves. Mm. So, because soft necks tend to produce fewer, larger cloves anyhow uh, than the hard necks. And obviously they store better because the hard neck scape can sometimes inhibit the storage potential of the garlic. So I'm I'm up for... Lots of garlic. I'm going to store it. I've been looking into also reading up about freezing garlic because you know me, I've got my freezers. So why not? You know, it's worth a go um, because sometimes the bulbs can go a little bit soft. So, but yeah, plant, honestly, plant, right. plant your garlic now. It's, a, it's a, such a, a, such a simple process and um, you, it, it, wet garlic, if you can lift, if you can give yourself a nudge and go, right, okay, I'm actually going to not let a few of these bulb up and head up completely. I'm going to lift them as wet garlic in that middle of June, late May, middle of June, something like that. Oh my goodness, the flavour and the moisture and the sweetness and the, oh, it's just incredible. It's not matured. It's very much more of a young taste and yeah, a brilliant thing to do. So Yeah, I plant mostly soft necks, but I will say something for hard necks. Mm. Their flavour's usually very punchy. Yeah, they are. They are. There are some like really that. peppery garlics. Yes. And I find them very good for roasting whole. Right, okay. And then having them in that sort of way, you know, eating them as they are. Mm. Um, well, yeah, but you're right. Soft necks better for storage. And I do, yes, I, I have early purple white, but I also have uh, Solent. Is it Solent? Solent white? It might be Solent so, white, yeah. Solent white, yeah. yeah. 
every year. Mm. Um, I must get on to that, planting garlic. I've done tulips. Well, I haven't finished the tulips. That's going to take me all week. But uh, I will plant garlic later in the week. Anyway, there we go. We've uh, we've we've managed to talk about... Is that it? Half, is that half an hour already? Yes, we've managed to talk about some random Blimey. stuff out the magazine. Just because they happen to be all about Grow Your Own. I know. That did not... It did Sorry. not feature into Lucy's, uh, Lucy's. Oh, here we go. We could talk about fountains. No, we're not <laughs> going to go into something else. We've got to. We've got. We've got to. We've got to uh, sign out. Um, yeah. Hopefully, nice. everyone's having a nice autumn. Mm. Uh, enjoy the colour. Get out this week. I think with all the stormy weather, we might lose a lot of leaves. So the autumn's displays are going to come to a, to an end. Yeah. Uh, it's darker nights as well. So mm. you know. Hunker we don't down. have so long. Yeah, hunker down, ready for the, the winter period. But um, I've been watching reruns of River Cottage. There you go. It's been lovely. There you go. Everyone watch River Cottage. Mm. Maybe, we'll have a, maybe we'll have a live watching of River Cottage. Or then I'll become over alone for Julia. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually like Hugh Fenny Witty Stall and uh, Ray Mears to uh, hybridise themselves. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, this is a good time to finish the Yeah, podcast. I'm actually coming, having a hot flush now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, enjoy your weeks, enjoy the autumn display, plant your garlic, and we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs> Another episode is at an end, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to us chat about how we approach our gardening lives. As the year progresses, we'll bring more of our unique brand of horticultural waffle as we continue to chronicle the end of 22 garden season and think ever more into what 2023 will bring us. If you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on your social media platform. Interact with us via our Twitter accounts at GardeningSaul and at HeadGardenerLC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, at HeadGardenerLC. If you so feel inclined, you can even support us via our Buy Me A Coffee webpage. Find the link at the bottom of this podcast episode description. As our gardening clothing changes and adapts with the decreasing temperatures and increasing rain showers, so the garden evolves over the autumn and crescendos into a massive spectacle of burnt oranges and magnificent reds. It's a time for enjoying the efforts we've made over the past many months in our gardens and to start those exciting plans for next year. The garden is an ever-changing tapestry that makes the most exciting of jobs. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! Bye! <laughs>